Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. And it's particularly great to have you with us in these historic times. History is being made in Washington. Not the kind the swamp likes, of course. Not the kind that the Marxist dims, deep staters, and corporate globalists like. But history, nonetheless, and it's history that may, just may, save our republic. Of course, you won't hear that from the corporatist news media. The cable newsers think the battle for the speakership by 21 patriots who want to limit the speaker's powers, restore regular order, and transparency is unnecessarily unseemly. And rhino and establishment tool Kevin McCarthy should just be coronated, they say because he does exactly what the lobbyists, corporatists, yes, even Marxist establishmentarians tell him to do. After all, he was trained by Paul Ryan, who was trained by John Boehner. You know how it goes in D.C. And so does the political savant Karl Rove, who thinks it's just awful, disastrous. Of course he would. He's affixed to the Republican establishment for his livelihood, and the wailing and moaning about 21 Republicans standing up against the status quo is more about their grief should the 21 congressmen actually prevail and change the autocratic rules of the House that deny the vast majority of our representatives any real say in the actual creation and passage of legislation. We citizens are such a bother to the elites, aren't we? How far will the McCarthy and status quo supporters go? The corruption is just fine with us crowd supporting McCarthy are testing the possibilities right now, even if, well, uh, being a bit unseemly about it all. Here's a newbie to the swamp whose swearing in's been delayed by democracy. His name is Don Bacon. He's from Nebraska, freshly elected in November. But as you will hear, obviously possessed of considerable swamp talent. Here he is talking with Fox's Sandra Smith and John Roberts about a plan to embrace the rhino's very best pals, the Marxist Dems, of course. This is what I am advocating, and others are as well, not just me. If these 20 refuse to be part of the team and don't come on board, we have no other choice but to go across the aisle and start negotiating and there's a lot of things you can no negotiate committee ratios is a big one because ordinarily you get a, like a four-seat majority yeah, yeah. in a tight house like this maybe we get it to a two-seat majority instead of four in all these committees uh, there may be things we can negotiate on subpoenas there's uh, also on rules like how to do motions to recommit there's a lot of things that we could look at to see if we can come up with a more bipartisan house and by the way we need to do that if you think we can get pass totally partisan bills out of the U.S. House and that a Democrat Senate is going to pass them mm -hmm. with a filibuster and get it to the president and get a signature, it's not going to work. In the end, to get things done, you're going to have to have Democrats on board anyway. 
and maybe we could build a structure that reflects that from the beginning. So this is a historic battle underway, one that both political parties want you to, well, if they had their way, ignore. And whatever you do, please, they say, don't change a thing. Actually, that's what the establishment is ordering, not asking. They're ordering, and McCarthy better deliver. Or otherwise, the American people will win one. And it is a big one. Our guest is a constitutionalist, a D.C. attorney who's worked in all three branches of our government, who's guided a number of Republican presidential Supreme Court nominees through their confirmation hearings. Founder of the Article 3 Project and fighting to rein in big tech, here's Mike Davis. And Mike, great to have you with us. History in the making. McCarthy has broken a century-old record. 1923 it was when the Speaker election then took nine rounds of voting. McCarthy last night set a new record. 11 rounds of voting. And today, more votes on the way. Your thoughts? Uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, does not have 218 votes to become Speaker. He's never had 218 votes to become Speaker. He's never earned 218 votes to become Speaker, and he'll never earn 218 votes to become Speaker because too many House Republicans do not trust him. And there is a very good reason that they do not trust him, and that's because he's not honest with them. He's not been an effective leader for them as the minority leader in the House or any other of his leadership posts over the last many years. And so if Kevin McCarthy knows, if he, if he wants to do what's right for his party and for his country, he needs to step aside because there are people who are very dug in. Uh, it, it just takes five House Republicans who are dug in. Right now there are 21. Maybe that changes, maybe that goes down to 10 or seven, but at the end of the end of the day, there's always gonna be there are always going to be five House Republicans who will never vote for his uh, election for House Speaker. He needs to step aside and let someone else run. Yeah, it's looking at him uh, as he's walking around from the floor, then going back uh, uh, to the back wall. Uh, he his body language is terrible. Uh, if he's a leader, uh, he's leading them in a bad place because you can just tell he is flummoxed by the proceedings he doesn't seem to have any any direction uh any apparent strategy uh, and to watch 10 rounds of this result in you know just a worsening uh, a worsening uh, condition for the the would-be speaker i i can't even imagine how he feels can you I don't think Kevin McCarthy has a conservative bone in his body. I don't think he has any guiding principle other than Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and he, uh, I mean, what does he stand for? Other than representing corporate special interest, including big tech monopolist, uh, what, what does Kevin McCarthy stand for? How is he inspiring his members to vote for him? How is he a leader? Why is he the indispensable leader here that, uh, that why is he the leader? Wait. You know, you know the answer to that. I mean, he's handing out chairmanships of committees before he's made speaker. He is making promises uh, across the conference uh, and, and acting big, and in fact, moving into the speaker's office for crying out loud. You talk about a uh, hubris and really bad judgment. Uh, he is the walking uh, poster boy for it. 
Yeah, he has known Lou since the, uh, the he's known since the election that he does he does not have 218 votes to become speaker and that he'll never have 218 votes to become speaker because he didn't win enough house races around the country to make up for the never Kevin votes that is in the house before the election and after the election. So, he's known this for 2 months. He's the one that's the who's delaying this. He's the one who is taking House Republicans to the cliff today. He's the one who, who is forcing two days of these votes for House Speaker. He has known all along. He, his strategy has been, first of all, his campaign manager is Jeff Miller, his longtime best friend and top advisor, who is a lobbyist, uh, who has taken millions of dollars from Amazon and Apple. He's Kevin McCarthy's campaign manager for this Speaker race. And their strategy and their tactics are, we're going to have Kevin win at all costs. We're not going to make any arguments for why he's the best pick. We're just going to use threats and fear and name calling to, to get holdouts to finally cave. That was their strategy. They knew that they were going to have, they thought they were going to have five votes against them on the floor. They started off with 19 votes against them. Now there's there are 21 votes against them. It just keeps getting worse. By the vote for Kevin McCarthy, he's just not inspiring. He doesn't stand for anything other than representing big corporate interest and being a creature of the swamp. Uh, Everyone who listens to this podcast knows my position on Kevin McCarthy, whom I consider to be uh, objectionable for a number of reasons, but most of all because he is a rhino. Uh, He is not a a loyal Republican, let alone conservative and pretends to be. Uh, He is, without question, uh, a man who is ruling by fear before he even gets the the gavel. You can only imagine what would happen. And that brings up the issue of what happens next and why in the world is the mainstream corporatist media so averse to open public debate about important political decisions that are made by the Congress of the United States. We're talking about the second person uh, from the presidency as the Speaker of the House. Why in the world was is mainstream media just melting down over the coverage of this historic event? Because Kevin McCarthy is part of the Uniparty, the establishment, the D.C. swamp. Uh, he is uh, the the he represents the corporate interest. He represents the status quo. All the lobbyists in town love Kevin McCarthy. They've already bought him. Uh, he, you know, Kevin McCarthy's bought and sold. They they know they already have their hooks into him, and they don't want to have to do the work of buying a new speaker. So they really, really want. Kevin McCarthy at all costs here. The problem is, is that he doesn't have the votes. And the in order to be the Speaker of the House, you need 218 votes. And that's very clear. I, I interned for Newt Gingrich back in uh, 1998 when he went down as the Speaker of the House after the Clinton impeachment because he did not have the 218 votes. But Speaker Gingrich did the right thing. Remember, he, he called them cannibals uh, at the time, but he did not force these embarrassing floor votes that he knew he would lose because he thought it would be bad for the country, bad for the party. And so he decided to resign. And then Livingston ran, and then he got chased out, and then Hastert became the speaker. But that's what Kevin McCarthy should have done. Instead of 
taking the house and his colleagues, making his colleagues go out there and make these embarrassing floor speeches where they're fake crying uh, and groveling and begging and twisting arms and threatening people for votes. He should have just stepped aside. He doesn't have 218 votes. He's never going to get 218 votes. And frankly, Lou, if this were an anonymous roll call, if this were an anonymous vote, he would, Kevin McCarthy would get one vote for speaker. It's, I, I, I think that that is, well, I think a very good summation, Mike, of the, of the problem he faces. But I think that the, the issue for the national corporate media uh, is that they don't comprehend the role of these 20 uh, gladiators and Sparks, the, the congresswoman who is voting present, uh, as a vote against him as well, of course, those 21. Uh, are, are are remarkable because they are saving the Republican. And I am not being hyperbolic. I am not being sensational in when I say I believe they're saving the Republic. If anybody listened to the passion and, and the words that these people are speaking, uh, they're they're not indulging in the uh, the platitudes and the cliches uh, that the rest of the conference is. It, it's pitiful to watch the speeches of the pro-McCarthy, the pro-Rhino uh, supporters. Think about, listen to, uh, listen to Matt Rosendale as he talks about reforming, reforming the, the conference, the Congress itself, and their rules, and restoring integrity uh, to the House of Representatives. Here he is. We have had more discussion and debate over the last three days than I have participated in on this floor for the last two years. And it's healthy. It absolutely promotes the collegiality that everyone is striving to obtain. We're having discussions not just within our own party, but amongst each other as we walk around and start planning for the legislation that we will need to address over the next two years in the 118th Congress that sooner or later, yes, sooner or later, we will begin to function as. Those are the good days. And guess what? Our constituents think, as they watch us on C-SPAN today, that this is how every day functions. They think that this is how every bill gets addressed in this body. And they will be shocked to learn the ones that you have not disclosed the little nasty secret to, that unfortunately, that's not how it works around this place. So Mike, there you have it. Matt Rosendale uh, giving, I think, one of the most important civics lessons uh, in the history of the House to the American people because he laid out the dirty little secrets, as he put it, he, I added dirty, but the little secrets of the House. Uh, the American public isn't aware of, of what a, uh, an authoritarian structure uh, exists within that great Democratic House. That's exactly right, Lou. I mean, we're seeing with this House speaker race what the House, what the members of Congress, what the leadership does every every year with the federal budget. They wait till the very last minute uh, and they they go behind 
go behind, uh, go go out of the public view, closed doors, smoke-filled room. They put together these horrific deals. They come back and they say, you need to vote on this. We're going to jam this down your throat. Otherwise, the country is going to fall apart, right? Or some hysterics. And then the rank and file members of the House and the Senate as well, they have to vote for this stuff. And this this needs to change. We need to have a, a, a you know, the Democrats pretend like they, they care about democracy. Let's return some democracy to the House of Representatives and to the Senate. Let's have some more regular order. Let's have it where, where the rank and file uh, members of the House and Senate actually have a say. And it's not just controlled by the leadership and the lobbyists. Yeah, I, I think that there it's, it's much worse than that. It's not just the Democrats. Let's be clear. The Republicans have been as offensive and egregious uh, and lazy. Uh, they want power, but they don't want to work. They do not want to have to go to the trouble of uh, going through the democratic process and actually getting a vote on bills. Uh, it is, to me, appalling. And and for Rosendale to go through this, Andy Biggs uh, standing up there, uh, leading the leading the charge on this. He is the point of the spear. He is the one who first opposed McCarthy. These people are doing this because they honestly, fervently believe in this country, its government, and our way of life. And those 200 people in the conference, as you said, they're scared to death because they, they don't know if they're going to have the right committee assignment. They don't know if they're going to get a chairmanship. They know that there can be great retribution from, a, from an upset Kevin McCarthy uh, if he is speaker, and that's why they're supporting him. I mean, it's that bald, that raw, and that repugnant. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The Speaker of the House has a tremendous amount of power in the House of Representatives. And Republicans will only control one of the political branches over the next two years. The Democrats obviously control the White House and the Senate. It is critically important we put someone in that Speaker's office who is red-pilled and who understands that our country is on the brink. This is not our parents' Or, or grandparents' Democrat party anymore. These are not liberals who love America and just disagree with conservatives on the best way to get there. These are not liberals who believe in equality and due process and free speech. These are leftists who hate all of those things. They believe in equity and BLM and censorship. We need a Speaker of the House who understands that we need to be fighting. We need to be fighting. We've had three years of Covidians trying to control every aspect of our lives. We've had BLM and Antifa uh, destroying American cities and going to war against the police and bringing crime, crime and chaos uh, to America. We've had these uh, the, this gender chaos in schools where they're going in and preying on kids, making them confused about their, their gender and gender-affirming care, which is sexual mutilation of kids and, and hormone pills to kids. We need someone who understands that this is not the liberal Democrat party of the past. This is the Marxist left. And we need a we need a speaker who is who has who has very thick skin and is willing to recognize the threat we face and who, who is willing to fight them. Uh, do you have anybody in mind who fits that bill? You know, I, I, I think that there are a lot of good people out there in the House of Representatives. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the consensus candidate with such a narrow margin in the House, I think we have, what, 222 seats or 221 seats Correct. in the House? I think the first, 
I think the person, 222, I think the Republican who can get the 218 seats to appease all sides and actually have thick skin and leadership ability and is conservative and principled, I think the person, I really do think it's going to come down to Steve Scalise from Louisiana. He's currently- yeah, well, he's, whoa, 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 Steve Scalise? I really do, Lou, and I can tell you why. He's a rhino. Come on. No, I, I so look- He's not my first choice. I don't think he's the perfect choice, but I actually think Steve Scalise is the person who can thread the needle here. And and he, I mean, I don't know Steve, Steve Scalise personally. I've never met him. I know people who have worked for him and they've worked with him and they like him. They say he's a good guy and he's principled. I think when people think that Steve Scalise is a rhino right now, it's because he's being a second fiddle. He's being a loyal lieutenant to Kevin McCarthy over the last many years. Well, that, you know, that paradigm has worked out pretty well to indicate the politics and the uh, and the philosophy of, of the of a, a speaker or any member of leadership. We go from John Boehner. We go to what was going to be at one point Kevin McCarthy, but then events uh, intervened and it became Paul Ryan. And now here we are with Kevin McCarthy again. Rhinos lead rhinos lead rhinos. It's the nature of the thing and the and the driving determinant in it all has been, it seems, no matter how conservative the conference is elected from all across the country, the Republican Party is the only party of the two that's dumb enough to then turn and say, we would like a rhino to lead us because rhinos get along better with radical Marxists and Democrats than we do. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Well, I, and this I, is an opportunity for that to break. Well, you know, listen, I if if we could pick a conservative superstar, I mean, hell, I would love someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or Boberts or one of these fire-breathing conservatives. I would love that. Jim Banks. Uh, I just don't think that they're they're ever going to be able to get the 218 votes to get elected. I actually don't think Scalise is a rhino. I actually think he's. You don't think he's a what? I don't think Scalise is a rhino. I think he's pretty solidly conservative. I, I'm just curious why you think he's a rhino. Okay, how long has he been in Congress? He's been there, I don't know, since 2012 years maybe? Yeah, and over that period of time, uh, has he been a part of those buying into uh, the omnibus bills and the uh, 30-plus trillion dollars of debt? Uh, when's the last time he stood on principle? You know, uh, stood like Atlas in front of uh, in the <laughs> at the well and said, "We're not going to do this." Uh, you name one one act of courage uh, in that legislative process during his period, and and I and I will take that into account. Well, he I, mean, I just can't think of it. He certainly was a bomb thrower when he was part of the the Freedom Caucus. Um, so uh, you know. I think it's it's different when you're the number two versus the number one. If yeah. you're if you're the speaker, I think you have a lot more leeway to be more conservative and bold. When you're the number two, you yeah. just have to kind of play second fiddle. Here's the thing about Scalise, and uh, and I hope uh, let me be very clear about this, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> you know the the fact is, McCarthy trained Scalise just like Ryan trained McCarthy. I mean, this is a chain and like Boehner trained Ryan. 
uh, it, it's it, it goes on and on. And it's how we perpetuate this cesspool, this swamp, this aggravating disappointment uh, for the American people. It's more than a disappointment. It's an outrage. And then they sit there and they talk about nonsense like, uh, you know, we're going to investigate the Bidens and we're going to stop 87,000 IRS agents. You and I and they know that what they're saying to the American people when they say that, they will not be able to do because they won't have a Justice Department, they won't have an FBI, and they won't be able to deliver on a single one of those stitches. And when it comes to the budget, the budget of the United States government is settled until the end of September 2023, right? Well, yeah, I would ask this, Lou, who would you pick for Speaker of the House? Who would I pick? Yeah. Byron Donalds right now. Oh, I'd, uh, I would love, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm fully with you I, on that. So I, we're in agreement. I, no, no, but, I, but let me say why, too. Byron Donalds has been there. This will be his second term in office. And some people say, Dobbs, you've got to be crazy. This man has only been there two years. You know what? That's an advantage right now. To only have been in the swamp for two years is a it's unlikely that the swamp will ever get to a man of his integrity in my opinion i'm pretty good at judging character his is outstanding and i love the fact that those those 20 men and women who are standing up for the american people in this process reminding us that this is a democracy that this is a constitutional republic and that they have obligations to us this is one of the most refreshing moments in our country's history. I haven't cheered this loudly since Donald Trump was elected in 2016 to break up this establishment that is so corrupt and foul. And I'm talking about corporate elitist. I'm talking about, uh, once I used to talk about corporate America, but these are corporate globalists, the billionaire donor class that uh, pursues only their financial uh, goals. Uh, this is a country in the oligarchs are suffocating us right now. And I don't care who they are. And some of them I like even, but what they're doing to the country is an outrage. I, I am with you 100%. I am. I mean, I am a pretty radical bomb thrower and I love these 21 house Republicans who are standing firm. They are bold. They are courageous. They are going to take, they're taking so much heat right now. There are going to be so many retributions against them when this race is over, and but they are doing the right thing. They are putting our country ahead of their own interest. I think it's incredible what they're doing. Uh, I just and, and look at the cowards in the national media who yeah. are criticizing them. They are conservative extremists. These are not conservative extremists. These are vigilant, vigorous patriots doing the right thing for the country, not themselves. Uh, I, I admire each one of them because it takes, as you well know, it is taking immense courage for those people to put themselves in front of the national media, the American public, and be reviled for standing up for the right things. That's how upside down this country is right now. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. You know, the sky is down and the ground is up. These people are doing this nation a service. It's just they deserve so much gratitude and respect for what they're doing. Byron Donalds, in, in straightforward language, is the freshest, um, uh, I think, t uh, toughest, uh, brightest guy uh, in that conference right now. I really do. 
Uh, I, when I've interviewed him, he is crisp. He is thought out. He is, you know, I'm not asking the question for, for the first time to this man. He's had that question. He's thought about it. Uh, he's so underestimated. Uh, and I think those those representatives who are standing up in Congress and 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 singing his praises, uh, you know, I, I they know him best and they are putting him forward. Uh, and I think this is a chance. It, it, it's going to be lightning in the bottle. And I understand that. But to put him up as speaker and have him win the speakership would be one of the healthiest things that could ever happen to the House of Representatives, one of the greatest things that could happen to this government uh, and the Republican Party, but most of all, to this republic and to the American people. I'm with you. I think this guy's great. He's a real American from the real world. He grew up with you know a single mom in New York City. He has made it. Uh, he, he's, he, he's pretty new in the House, but he also served four years in the Florida House of Representatives, right. mm -hmm. uh, or two years, wherever it was before he came to the House of Representatives. So he has, you know, five or six years of legislative experience. So he's not an amateur. Uh, I, I really like the guy. I think he's very impressive. I don't know if he has the votes to be speaker right now, but I, I hope that the Republicans put him in leadership because I find him to be so impressive. He's young. I think he's my age, like 44 years old, 45 years old. And I, he has a very bright, future in the House of Representatives. And so even if he can't make speaker this round, he, he needs to be put in leadership. If I he doesn't make speaker this round, the Republican Party is is nihilistic. It, it is it's on the verge of suicidal. This is a moment to do the right thing. Uh, those 20 those 20 Republicans right now have seized the moment and identified the issue. It is the corruption of the House of Representatives and the swamp in which it lives. It is time for for everyone to roll back that swamp. This can be, a, everybody wants to do bipartisan things. Uh, they talk bipartisan, principally the Democrats, because they're not in control. But if you want to be bipartisan, let's get rid of all of that nonsense uh, you know, shutting down amendments, shutting down the participation, going to, uh, you know, just unanimous consent instead of a, a, a vote uh, on the floor. I, I mean, the, this, the House of Representatives right now is a sick, sick and corrupt institution, just like most of the federal government. And by the way, when I say most, I mean about 90 percent of it. Am I being too uh, too harsh? No, I I think I would love to see the. I would love to see uh, most of the federal government dismantled. And if you actually uh, sent power and money out of Washington and back to the states and back to the people, who, who, who we send to Congress wouldn't really make that big of a difference. It shouldn't oh. be so impactful what happens on the, in the House of Representatives. It should, what should be most impactful is what, hap what happens in your, you know, your city council or your state legislative body, not the House of Representatives. Well, I, I take your point about you know, controlling your 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 local government. Uh, is your you can exert the greatest influence because of the proximity, but uh, the House of Representatives uh, properly properly run, and that means following traditional uh, process and rules uh, and a distribution of power again back to the representatives. 
uh, no, you're not going to be able to run through all of these bills, spending lavish sums of money that it, it, for projects of like to study uh, you know, mockingbirds and hummingbirds on their travels to uh, uh, you know whatever their origin is in the migration system. You know, that's not going to happen. But that's exactly the point: to reduce the size of government, to reduce its rate of growth, to slow down first, and then start spending and start paying our way through. We're now, you, you talked about, uh, you know, Scalise being there for 12 years. Uh, you know, McCarthy's been there 14 years. Uh, the point was made, I believe, by Andy Biggs. Uh, $11 trillion was the national debt 14 years ago. And now it's almost $33 trillion. It's, uh, it's going to be approaching $33 trillion by the end of this fiscal year. It's this is shameful. And the Republicans are supposed to be conservatives. And it's obscene to see what the Republicans as a party have done. They are dishonest and they are not as dishonest because the Marxist Dems are trying to trying to overtly destroy the country. But the Republicans have got got to wake up and talk straight. And when they start the nonsense with these you know, these cliches and nonsense about 87,000 IRS agents, I want them the hell out too. But they're going to be there for a year, no matter what, because that's already happened. They're going to have to understand that the American people aren't fools. And this is a great way to start with honest leadership selected by an honest conference uh, of, of rhinos and moderates uh, and in conservatives. There is no reason for, for any other result. I, I just think Byron Donald is such a, an opportunity for true leadership in the House. I would I would love it. And if we can get 218 votes for him, I am all for it. And I think that this debate that's going on, I think we're on the 11th vote now for speaker. I think this is a very good thing. It, it tells the D.C. establishment, the Uniparty, the swamp, that, you know what, conservatives don't have to take this anymore. So they need to make it. This is such a signal to, the, to Washington that that the American people are a demanding, demanding change here. And we should be calling these 21 courageous House Republicans and thanking them, sending them emails, promoting, promoting them on social media and make, make them understand that there are millions and millions and millions of real Americans in the real world who are supporting their efforts. And, you know, this is, despite the protestations of columnists and the newspapers and the, the left-wing media at large, uh, uh, by the way, and the conservative media as well, they're not exempt either, uh, suggesting this is some sort of an imposition uh, on, the, uh, on the great national media that has better things to do than watch uh, a, a historic moment like this. Yeah, I mean, think about when w Republicans will control the House and that's it. Think about if there is a Speaker Kevin McCarthy going into the White House and negotiating at the end of the year with White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, McCarthy's going to give away the farm like he does every single year, like he's doing right now in this House Speaker race. I, I was saying earlier today, he's given away his shirts and socks and pants and even his underwear. He has nothing left to give. And here we are on the 11th vote for Speaker, this guy desperately clinging on. He can't even get 218 Republicans in the House to vote for him, and yet we want him to go, go negotiate against the Biden White House and the, the, the Senate Democrats and represent 
Republicans and conservatives, he's ineffective. He's he's the worst combination of incompetent and arrogant. You can be one, you can't be both. It's time for Speaker or for Kevin McCarthy to step aside. He cannot be the Speaker. And uh, I want to just turn to one other issue, and that is, you know, we're not we're not holding up important people's business uh, either. I think we should point out. They're doing the people's uh, business in selecting uh, a speaker, ultimately, God willing, uh, who will be representative of uh, of the principles and values of the Republican Party. Uh, someone said the other day, Mike, to me, uh, you know, there were they were concerned about, uh, you know, the the agenda here, the Republican agenda. You know, I don't know of anybody who can tell us what the conservative agenda is. I don't know of anybody who knows what the, uh, the commitment to America is. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a bizarre Republican Party that's asking, why did we have such a narrow win uh, in November? The reason is no one knew what the hell they were going to do. And they made no promises, no substantive promises. Uh, and that was just fine with the leadership of the on Capitol Hill, wasn't it? I mean that's the problem. That was the problem with Kevin McCarthy. He he does he doesn't have a conservative bone in his body. He doesn't have any guiding principles. His guiding principle is Kevin McCarthy, and uh, he he will if you have a five thousand dollar pack check, he'll he'll talk to you. If you don't have a five thousand dollar pack check, good luck. So if you're a parent concerned about gender chaos in schools, forget about it. Kevin McCarthy's not going to talk to you. You don't have a corporate lobbyist. You know if you're a, a real American in the real world worried about gas prices or crime or these COVID lockdowns or BLM or the, the Marxist chaos that they've watched for the last three years and done nothing about, Kevin McCarthy's not your man. If you are a Fortune 50 corporation, Kevin McCarthy is your man. Oh, yeah. Well, and, uh, and, and quite a large number of the Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives as well uh, right now. Hopefully that will change. I, I, I want to, and also you're working very hard uh, to to bring, rein in the immense power of big tech in this in this country. Uh, give us a sense of what you think, not what you want, but how much power, how much influence can there be in this this new 118th Congress that's that will be dedicated to reigning in the immense power of corporate globalists. And this is my biggest problem with Kevin McCarthy, Lou. If Kevin McCarthy becomes the House Speaker, uh, you can forget about any bipartisan effort to reign in big tech. That is done. Kevin McCarthy is the number one impediment to Internet Accountability Project's efforts over the last three years to reign in big tech. Number two is Jim Jordan. Kevin McCarthy is by far number one. And the reason is Kevin McCarthy takes so much money from big tech and he does their bidding. And the bigger problem is, is Jeff Miller, Kevin McCarthy's top advisor, has taken millions from Amazon and Apple. He is, uh, Kevin McCarthy is a complete total obstacle to any efforts to rein in big tech. And that's why he cannot be the Speaker of the House. And that's why we need to have a viable plan B. If we don't have a viable plan B, Kevin McCarthy is going to win by default, by attrition. 
Mike Davis, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being here. And let's, uh, let's all pray that uh, the, the Republic is well served by the choices that the Republican conference makes here uh, over the next few days. Uh, we assume it'll be a few days, a few weeks, whatever it may be. History, <laughs> history is being made. Thanks so much for being with us. God thank bless. You. Thank you. Thanks. Mike Davis, great American, doing great things for America. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Our guests coming up include former Intel Committee, Justice Department official, Defense Department official, Cash Patel, and attorney Kevin Evans trying to force the Department of Justice to release 400 Biden documents that the public has never seen. Please don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs on Twitter and Truth Social. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. And may God bless America.